So, are we ready to go to Balticon? Well, actually, that was last week. No, 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 no. Last week was the Potter Powwow. This week is Balticon. No, actually, it's a Geeks Who Drink tonight at the Irish Pub. You're dreaming, mate. That's tomorrow night. No, 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 no. What do you mean I'm dreaming? My memory's like a steel trap. Uh, yeah, a rusty one. <laughs> you know, I told you. No, it's all the time. I said, guys, what this week. Guys, what? Why don't you just check out the Nerd Out app? What's the Nerd Out app? If you're looking to connect with local dungeon crawls, movie marathons, or trivia nights in your corner of the world, then you need the Nerd Out app. The Nerd Out app is your mobile planner for science fiction conventions, gaming events, film festivals, and even special museum exhibits geared for the geek in you. And if you want to catch the latest news on what's happening or coming soon to your current location, swing by nerdoutapp.com where we feature upcoming events, convention reviews, and more. And just like the blog, the Nerd Out app is free. Stay in the know on where to get your geek on with the Nerd Out app, available for iOS and Android. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 87 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Rob from the Comic Box. How you doing, Rob? I am doing just fine. I have awesome. no idea why I said it that way. <laughs> but I did, and now you have to deal with it because now it's recorded. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. okay with that. I'm very comfortable <laughs> with that. Um, we have done two previous episodes with you. 42 is where we met you. So if people want to go back and see the full interview, it's, it's episode 42. And then we we covered <laughs> Iron Fist together uh, on episode 70. That's right. We did. And, yeah. So um, and and then I've got you slated, temp, you know, you know, to be announced for Defenders. Cool. And, and we're thinking maybe splitting that into two. Yeah, I don't, I'm just, we'll see. It it kind of, depending on what my schedule looks like, the ability to uh, binge watch an entire show in like a weekend isn't always feasible. It's rough. It's yeah. rough. And it does affect, I think, the way we enjoy the the content. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I look back, because I think I did the same with both seasons of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, like I don't think any of them were shows I really took my time with. It was mm -hmm. just like, I want to get this watched and get it done. And this was even before the podcast. It's just, you know, sometimes it's because you just really enjoy it. And other times it was with Luke Cage and Iron Fist in particular, it was I want a podcast about this, which means I have to get out in front of it. If anybody's going to actually listen to me versus the millions of other people uh, that are out there. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a heavy weight, but man, having all that free time. <laughs> we, 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 we carry a heavy burden, us uh, yes. <laughs> podcasters. So anyway, we're not going to go over the full interview, but what have you been up to? What have you been up to since we last talked? Boy, I'm trying to think 
since the last time you, if the last time you and I talked was Iron Fist, I guess the short answer is comic books and comic book related things. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I do in my free time now. <laughs> that's your jam. <laughs> yeah, that's my jam. I mean, work is still work. Uh, I've made a large life decision in that I am building a cabin. Uh, I own one currently. I inherited one uh, actually back in high school. And um, it's been sitting there for 15 years. It was supposed to be torn down in 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were blueprints and all this stuff because my dad was going to retire up there. But then he passed away and we inherited it and had no money to touch it really at all. Um, and so it's been 15 years now and we kind of put our foot down and said, all right, we need to do something with this place because it's pretty much ready to fall down. And we still go up there every year. But um, having a place that's a little safer to be in because it's this little 20 by 30 and that includes the screen porch kind of shack wow. um, with a couple you know, bedrooms. And there is a bathroom. There is running water up there. So I can say that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to two mortgages, but uh, a thing that needs to get done for everybody's safety. This was the the first year that I had friends bring their children up because um, we're getting to that age where my friends are having kids. And so they're finally mm -hmm. wanting to bring their kids up to the cabin. And it's like, all right, we got to rebuild our stairs down to the lake because those are dangerous and we should probably, you know, build the new cabin. So now when you say you're building a cabin, are you physically the one who is going to be working on said cabin or are you building as in contracting out to people who will build the cabin? Uh, it's going to be a little bit of both. There's legally things that you have to have somebody else do or at least sign off on. Mm -hmm. I am not going to be doing anything um, that might further injure. I have a back injury, so I can't do a lot of like heavy lifting, but I certainly think I'm going to be doing a lot of, we'll say like the interior work, probably okay. um, helping put up drywall, things like that, that are pretty easy. I can handle a nail gun. Uh, I can handle a saw. I can help cut things, you know, and um, carry some wood around. But I mean, you have to hire somebody to pour your foundation. And right. um, I think we're going to go with the thing where you actually get what they call prefab or prefabricated walls. So parts of the cabin will be already up and you just kind of slap it together and, and, put it all together, but I'm, uh, I'm not exactly sure. So I'm going into it fairly blind. I have help from family. I have, uh, family members that have recently, you know, built their own place. So I have resources, but, uh, personally, I am not generally a DIY kind of guy. Like mm -hmm. I've done some in the past. I've done roofing work. I've done some minor construction work. Um, I've done minor electrical, minor plumbing, that sort of thing. But in general, um, it's not a thing I run out to do. So it'll be an interesting experiment. I look forward to ruining things, but hopefully in the end, spending less money than if I was hiring other people, even yes. if I have to redo it <laughs> once or twice. Well, I mean, it's always fine if you ruin something and you can kind of say, you can see here where I did the tile. <laughs> and yeah. People's like, wow, that's a crappy tile job. And you're like, yeah, but it's my crappy tile job. <laughs> yes. And with this place, like if I ever end up selling this cabin, it's not going to be for the cabin that's on it. I'm going to be selling it for the land because it's on a lake. Right, um, right. So whatever I put up there will probably end up getting torn down anyway. So I just want to put something that I know will actually stand. Like literally right now, a corner of the cabin is made out of chipboard because a tree hit it six years ago. And we the, the corner of the cabin was built up again. So it was there, 
but like that's kind of the state of the place. Like there's parts that have literally been destroyed and rebuilt with the cheapest wood possible. And it's been like that for six years. So um, it's, it's ready to go. <laughs> well, good luck to you, sir, because having gone through renovations on my house, yeah. I, I am uh, the I lengthy always... renovations, the extra lengthy, but the I, extra I have lengthy. to assume you guys love it now. We do. We do. We don't love our bank account. No, <laughs> but we do love we do love that we can sit and enjoy our our kitchen. I was gonna um, say yeah, it's kitchen. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we still have two bathrooms in a front yard to do, but <laughs> all in good time. Exactly. It's a long home ownership. Ownership of anything like that is a long process. Yeah. Um, it's always just forward thinking is what's important. Don't build something that looks 2017. I mean the. The house that we own, there's some stuff in here that's very 80s, um, and I don't know if we'll ever take the time to replace them because it'd be too expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's some fixtures and things in here that just scream 80s. The the uh, the audio wires that are running around uh, through the walls in the areas where you can still see like under the stairs and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, back when you know they would have the old the stereo systems and you would run the audio cables throughout your house. So that right. you could switch it to, I just want to hear my music in the basement or in the laundry room or in the bathroom or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, you can clearly tell the things that were done in this house within the last couple of years before we bought it. Yeah, when we moved in, our, um, you know, I won't go into the full scale of the, the <laughs> that was this home, but we did have a, a kind of an internal sound system that worked in most of the rooms that it appeared, but it was controlled by a boombox in the kitchen. Like nice. literally just a boombox plugged in and sitting on a shelf in the wall. I and love that. Yeah. And so we, being the uh, ingenious people that we are, we're like, well, we want to be able to control this from our phone. So Matt figured out how to rig uh, like an Apple connector to one of those car decks that you like when you put the, the cassette tape into your car like maybe 10 years ago <laughs> yes, because, because you still had the tape deck, but you only had CD players or your cell phone or whatever and, uh, and got to work off of that. So you'd have to go over and hit play and then go over to whatever device you wanted to stream from. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Kudos. <laughs> well, so today's episode is adulting, <laughs> kicking out about adulting. Yes. Um, what is your weekly geekery, sir? What have you been uh what have you been specifically geeking out about? What are some of the comics and such that you were reading? Well, my last episode, and I, I suppose the first thing to ask, I know that we're recording some things ahead for when you go on your big trip. Yes. Um so am I talking to the future? You are definitely point? talking to the future. You are talking to people who exist. Let me see if I can figure out what day it's going to be. From here? It's, it's going to be August 7th, so that's wow. three weeks from now. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> um, my last episode then, which would be, and I call them issues because it's about comic books, issue 50, I think 7 is the one that I just put out a couple days ago as of this recording, because uh, I release on the weekends. Um, I... I had my weekly geekery, which wasn't much because the week before I did one about the big convention I went to, and then I had a really busy week. Um, so the only thing I've done in the last couple of days is my homework for the podcast I'll be recording next week. So you guys should be able to go and check out issue 58 of the comic box will be an episode I do all about Brian K. Vaughn, 
who is a very well-established comic book writer. And there's a trade out there of his early work at DC Comics, and it's just called Batman by Brian K. Vaughn. And I got that through the Hoopla app, and um, which means I didn't pay for it. It means I checked it out from my local library, uh, but digitally, and I read it on a tablet. And so I finished reading that. And then last night um, was when the first episode of Game of Thrones aired. So I got nice. to go and watch the at my buddy's place. I watched uh, the first episode of Game of Thrones and started to throw it on the subreddit. I'm plugging too many things here, but it's okay because it's for all of us. Yes. On the, the yeah. Geek to Geek Podcast Network subreddit, I, I started a thread so we can talk Game of Thrones. Uh, and then I came home, and because I had heard that George Romero had died, I have a group text with some of my nerdy film and comic book friends from college, and we decided to do a late-night watch of Night of the Living Dead, but because we were all too lazy to leave home, we tried doing, like, through Facebook Messenger, like a group audio phone call. Okay. So we all like had our phones by us, or I had my gaming headset on. So it's like, it was like watching a movie with three of your friends, but you can kind of hear their TVs in the background, so it's really confusing. And you're all just talking on like a group phone call. So it was an experiment. It was not a successful one. I don't know that I would do it. Certainly never with a movie I've never seen. I've seen Night of the Living Dead plenty of times, and uh, there's not a ton of dialogue anyway. So it worked, but kind of. By the end, two people had given up and gone to bed, and uh, so it was just my friend Damien and I, by the end, uh, who made it all the way. But it's still, you know, it's still a valiant effort, and and I think this, the effort itself is a good tribute. I honestly, yeah. I I am just hearing this for the first time. I don't, I have. I have had my head stuck in um, editing for the last 24 hours, and then when I'm not editing, trying to get um, stuff ready for I'm going to Comic Con this week, and nice. then or or have gone for those of you in the future, uh, and then I'm I'm literally coming back on the Saturday around maybe a little after dinner time, and leaving Sunday morning at like 9:45 for London. So, like, leaving to go to the airport, not leaving on the plane, because then that would mean, like, two in the morning, and I can't handle that. I've done it. <laughs> oh, I have, too. you got to do it. You get to the <laughs> airport at four to. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I didn't realize that he'd passed on, which is quite a loss and quite a shame. Though, in the last couple of times I have seen him at conventions and things, oh, yeah, it, it did look like he was starting to slow down. Yeah, but he was only 77. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't. Super, super old. That's really cool. You got to see him. I got to meet the guy who plays the brother in Night of the Living Dead. The they're coming to get you, Barbara. Barbara. Uh huh. I got to meet that guy at a, a the first Crypticon, I think, the first year they did Crypticon in Minnesota. Um, nice. I, I I went and got to see him, but I'm not really a convention guy, so I most famous people I don't get to see. But that's cool, and I, I totally. I don't know why, for some reason I spaced thinking that, of course, Comic-Con is coming up, which is great because that sets my episode. I don't need to look for a topic now. <laughs> I can just do Comic-Con news. Yeah, no, it's, and, and it should be fun. I, I think I've, I've noticed and I mentioned on uh, the podcast with Ray that released today um, or four weeks ago uh, <laughs> that, uh, that when you're at a convention like that, you miss half the announcements because you're not where those announcements are happening. You're on floors checking out 
booths and meeting artists and you're doing all this stuff. And so we've kind of made this deal where, and hopefully it, it has paid off where he's going to tweet out all the information that he learns at Comic-Con and I'm going to retweet it on the geek to two Twitter. So hopefully that's a nice setup. That's yeah. Cool. Hopefully that went well and everybody got the news through the, the geek to two Twitter while we were yeah. away. That's one thing I'm not, I'm not, a live tweeting kind of guy. I'm not really a, this person who will be just sitting, you know, glued to Twitter so I can, uh, uh, retweet everything. I would much rather just do my research, do my podcast and let that be it. And I know that's less effective. That makes me less of a, a source of news for people that really just want that news now, or they're going to see it on Facebook from their friends before I get to it. But I just, I don't have that type of, um, time i guess like i don't because that's this upcoming weekend for us in the past yeah i'm gonna be out of town the whole weekend so at the cabin doing measurements and and having people come give me quotes for things nice yeah the only time i've actually live tweeted anything was the very first and i think only since eight panel at comic-con it was like the the comic-con after sense eight had come out and I was, of course, a huge fan by then. So I was like, I, I must go to this panel. And I, I started the podcast that September. So I didn't even have like that many followers, but I'm like, Hey, you know, this is good practice. So yeah. I got, and I got a couple followers from that because, you know, hashtag sense at that point was, was trending. So it was, it was an experience. It was stressful. It was like, I'm not getting, I can't, I'm not, I'm not like one of my students. I don't have this, this, rapid texting thing down yet like i'm good but i ain't good, as good as that yeah yeah i don't know i'm, I'm so excited for you i because like i said this uh the convention i went to just recently up here which i hear is more like dragon con than than uh san diego because san diego is just this massive thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i i feel like it's got to be a bucket list thing but i feel like with every year that goes by it's going to turn less and less into a thing that i'd actually really want to go to because mm-hmm. it's going to turn more and more into just a circus and like you know like being in a theme park where you always want to go to the theme park and see things but you need to reconcile yourself with the fact that you're going to see like three things because the rest of that time you're standing in line for something um, right and that i i just i hate lines so much i guess i'm too much of a suburbanite you know like i i don't like being stuck in traffic i don't like uh, waiting in long lines for anything. Well, I think I think for me it just becomes you you have to pick what you uh, like. Like I I went from you know when I was in my late twenties to you know talking looking at at a, a panel and going oh I must see the Walking Dead panel. What does that mean? I have to do that means I have to be there at and granted you know because it was ten years ago it was a lot easier to get into these things. But it was like, okay, I have to be there at six in the morning and I'm going to, I'm going to miss these panels. And like, like you, you made the decision of what you were willing to give up to go see that specific panel. And yeah. now that I'm pushing 40, what I'm willing to give up to sit and wait for a single panel is like, I, the last couple of years, there's not been anything that you're going to do that's going to get me to wait overnight for, for like I, anything that big, I'm going to see in the news the next week. Yeah. I've never, I've never done anything like that. I mean, for some of the Harry Potter movies, uh, like when I had a costume to go, my early, uh, Mad-Eye Moody cosplay, 
um, which was not nearly the quality of, and I won't even say what I have now is good, but there's, there's some pictures online right now of, of the one that I had uh, at this last con. Um, you know, I would show up maybe a couple of hours ahead of time, and then you hang out in the main lobby of the movie theater with the other people in costume, and you take pictures and do trivia and just kind of hang out and meet people. Um, that's about it. Like, I've gone in costume to a couple Harry Potters. I, I went a couple hours early back when Lord of the Rings was coming out in theaters. Um, but yeah, I was never one of the, I'm waiting overnight to get my tickets, you know, or waiting super long. I just can't, it's just not worth my time. No, you you get to a point where you're like, your time is much more valuable than that. And then, and yes. then you have a little bit of money because you have a full-time job and you're just like, I can buy things that will compensate for this. Like, I don't have to see it in the theaters now. I can see it a little bit later and then I can buy it on Blu-ray and be perfectly happy to watch it at home. Right. And there's there's a beautiful adage. And I'm trying to remember where I, I thought of this or not. I thought of this where I heard this first. Uh, and it's the idea of if somebody is giving away free hot dogs, but you have to wait for an hour to get that free hot dog. It's not a free hot dog. It mm -mm. costs you an hour of your time. Yeah. And so you have to think, how much is my time worth? And that's where you get to the the sort of macro level where. You know, the owner of your company has a private jet and you think that's ridiculous, but it might actually be more cost effective for that person if his time is worth that much money to have a private jet or share a private jet or an airplane or whatever, rather than spending all of that time going through security, sitting in an airport and doing it on somebody else's schedule. That might be four hours of a work day. Well, that person might make $500 an hour, $1,000, $6,000 an hour for the company in that amount of time. And it's hard to look at things that way. Um, but I think it really helps put things in perspective, especially anything that says free on it. Right, right. And that's, and, and, and it, it is all, it is all relative. I mean, like what, what is it worth to you? And I think some people it is worth that time. Some people it's just not. And I think the older you get, the more valuable your time gets versus, you know, what that free thing is. Right. And things like YouTube and knowing you can see the panel the next day, mm -hmm. you know, or the next week, uh, a big impact. And I'm not going to I'm not going to see the, the clip or the or the trailer that they showed there that was exclusive to Comic-Con, but I'll see it in six months or, or I'll just I watch mean, the movie when it comes it'll out. It'll leak yeah. and then they'll get angry, but then they'll release it in higher quality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, I know I, I'm sure there's other things you want to get into, but I at some point, I suppose we can talk about it offline, too. We don't need to talk about it during the podcast. But I recently also took a trip uh, to I went to uh, Northern Ireland, but then I spent a good chunk of that time in Scotland. Um, so I do at some point I want to talk to you about your trip to Scotland and kind of figure out. I know it's just one stop among many, but just to get, you know, an idea of kind of what you're looking to do and if there's any words of advice that I can offer. And I don't know if I can, but I spent, I don't know, maybe four days, five days in Scotland. I I am one of those people, and this is this is a sad thing to admit, I am one of those people who's very bad at geography. And so I, I can tell you where Scotland is. I can tell you where Iceland is. I can tell you where Norway is. But if you're to tell me, ask, like, I don't remember what stops we're making on those three locations because right now, I'm like London. And then when we get into to Scotland, I know it's not Edinburgh. Right. Um, and I know that it is going to be somewhere in the Highlands because the excursion we're taking is taking us across the Highlands. Okay. Um, but that is the extent. Now, once I go there and I can like, like, I guess I'm just a, 
a kinesthetic learner. Once I'm there, I'll know where I am. I'll know what it is. And I'll be able to tell you, oh, yeah, we were in this place and this time. And this was like, you know, I just have to experience it because you can tell me 15 times we're going to, you know, Copenhagen in, in Denmark. And I'm going to go, I OK. Right. And if it's part of the cruise, I assume it's like you hit the shore. Here's your thing you're going to do for the day. And then you hit the water again, or do you get to like stay for a couple days? I think there are actually two stops in Scotland. Okay. I think, and I think they're just they're a little bit apart from each other. I do know that this is a it's a ten day cruise, I think, and it's five days at sea because they're covering so much space. Right. So I know we're doing four days in Iceland, and I think we're doing one or two in in Norway. That's cool. That's cool. Our trip almost included Iceland because at one point when we looked at tickets, it was cheaper to fly through Iceland. So we were just going to stay there for an extra day or two because why not? Um, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and tick off another country off of the list. But um, did not end up making that happen. <laughs> um, what, what were some of the things, like what are some of the do not miss in Scotland. Oh, that's things. so hard. I mean, the Highlands are beautiful. We didn't bother with Loch Ness. We didn't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, no, we're not doing but, that. But uh, seeing some of the castles and ruins were great. Um, depending on how much of a nerd you are, we went to the um, Glen. Oh man. Uh, and now my, I'm brain farting. Is it Glen Karen, the aqueducts or Glen Finnan? The Glenfinnan Aqueducts, which is where they um, mm -hmm. shot the Hogwarts Express in the movies. Right. Uh, we went there, and uh, we did a lot of hiking as well. A lot of uh, – there's some really, really nice hiking if you're a hiker at all. Um, and beautiful, beautiful views. And um, uh, that was something that was very cool. However, we sat and we found – we got there early, and we found the perfect spot to take a picture. And it was up a little higher than where everybody else was congregating because there's like a natural spot to sit and take good photos, but we went up a little higher on the, the hill. And then um, it turned out the train that came by was just like a regular commuter train. Because apparently the mm -hmm. steam one or whatever, the, the one that looks like the Hogwarts Express, comes by during weekdays instead of weekends, which makes zero sense to me. Because you think people would pay through the nose to ride the Hogwarts Express during the weekends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we like to say that, you know, we, we were waiting for the Hogwarts Express and instead we got the squib line. <laughs> and it was a major letdown, but it was still gorgeous and we had some beautiful views. Uh, and that's outside of a town called Fort William where, where we stayed for a couple of days. And that was sort of our base from which to see the Highlands. Um, as far as very specific things... I don't know. Uh, the one thing we made sure to do, uh, because it was going on while we were there, is we went to see the Highland Games in Scotland. Okay. And it was in this giant field just over a hill. It was technically on the grounds of this old castle. Um, so you had to kind of, you know, walk over a small hill, and then you'd see the castle, and then beyond it is this big open field. And, uh, and that's where they had the Highland Games. So that was a blast. Uh, beyond that, I mean... Yeah, Edinburgh is cool. Uh, we didn't bother with Glasgow, and we didn't get up to Inverness. And I would assume you would probably make, if you had multiple stops, it'd be one sort of in the middle around the highlands and stuff. And then they might do one up along the northern coast, because I hear that's just gorgeous. But uh, Yeah, and that po might possibly be what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we, we didn't make it up that far. There were some things my wife really wanted to see. There's like a, it's supposed to be this very cool, like, 
cove where you go, I don't know if it's tubing through the caves or something, um, but there's supposed to be some absolutely gorgeous stuff up there along the north coast. That's cool. I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I, I feel it's funny because my, my husband keeps saying, well, what are you looking forward to? I know you're looking forward to London, but what are you looking forward to beyond that? And I'm like, I, I don't think I have conceptualized beyond that. I think right now I am like London because that's got to have so much stuff that I'm interested in right yeah. now that I'm having trouble seeing past that. And I've even said to Matt, I'm like, we, we're going to have to do a second trip to, to just London, London and, and then go out into, to Edinburgh. Yeah. Because I still, I still want to get out to, and this kind of touches on our, our topic a little bit today. I, I still want to see the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, it's a, a theater festival where it's just like, weird crazy stuff and you can there's french festivals all over the place uh we had a guest a couple weeks yeah, ago i was gonna say you had somebody uh, to talk about the french festival yeah talking about the hollywood french festival but like it kind of started in edinburgh yep. like it's kind of the the french festival and uh my my college roommate jarrah he's like my best friend in the world uh he he got to go our scene the summer before our senior year in, in college and perform like four different shows in rep and and it's just like I need to I need to be part of that experience at some point in my life. So I'm like I've already told Matt at some point in the next five or ten years we are going back to London. That's and, cool. And Edinburgh. Yeah, we haven't even gone once yet. So. I I have come close, I guess, to being involved in the Fringe Festival here in the Twin Cities. Uh, I have a friend who uh, usually gets the uh, a spot on the Fringe Festival, and he does musicals. He's part of an acapella group. And um, so mm -hmm. he wrote like a zombie high school musical one year where they were sold out every night that they performed. And he was talking to me about helping him write, but I was sort of like a standby or something like that. And it was a question of how much mm -hmm. time I had as well. And I want to say it was right. right before we went on our, for us, we called it our second honeymoon because it was our five year anniversary trip. And um, we went back to the castle where we got married in Northern Ireland, which is, um, ruins it's not a, a castle you can you can walk around in it but there's no roof or anything like that it's castle ruins right um up on the the coast of northern ireland and so we went back up there and then um we went over to um scotland yeah i have been to london as well but i did not enjoy my time there whatsoever it was part of a uh very much like blitz tourist trip through europe where i did um uh, Dublin and Rome and London and London was the last stop and our hostel because I was staying in a hostel uh, was terrible and they didn't have any hot water and uh, we got lost wandering around the city we were just kind of and this was with my mother I was I was supposed to travel with a couple friends from high school uh, but one got a girlfriend and the other totaled his car so they were both out of money and um <laughs> So my mom was like, well, I'll go with you. And I was like, all right. But I I booked all these hostels and stuff. And she's like, nope, we'll do it. And uh, just by the end, I think you can only spend so much time. You can love your mom to death, but it's still your mom. And, and spending a week traveling with your mom and staying in hostels and stuff. By the end, I think we were both ready to come home. Um, especially when the, the, the original concept of the trip was hanging out with my oh, buds. Yeah. Oh, totally. And that, that's a completely di different dynamic. Yeah, so London... <laughs> There's no going no. out and hitting on people in bars and pubs no, with there mom. There certainly wasn't. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there was some neat stuff in London that we saw. Um, I took a bus out to I don't know where, and I went to a, um, a Bram Stoker museum, a Dracula museum. 
Uh, oh, but nice. it was in like disrepair. Like there was one person oh, working no. there. They had some stuff. One of the videos wasn't running at all. Like I think I was the only person that showed up that day because it was during the off <sighs> season. So you kind of got the idea that like they didn't really care that much. Like they set this thing up, but maybe it's not making a whole lot of money anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not there. This would have been two thousand like three or four that I that I did. I've I've been that poor I've been that poor person that was working that day because I used to work at the Queen Mary. Oh yeah. And I would do the the Ghost and Legend show and it, like they there was a point where they just decided they didn't care anymore and they stopped spending money when things broke down to repair them yep. and the the effects were cheesy to begin with and so you're like yeah there's a ghost boo and like that's the best you could muster because you were embarrassed and they were uninterested and yeah, that, was... that's very much this museum like there's some really interesting stuff in there but part of it is supposed to be like half haunted house like you walk through a section that's supposed to be kind of you know very spooky and then you get into the areas where they have things you're supposed to be able to interact with but anything that was interactive mm -hmm. didn't work you know anything with the yeah. touch screen didn't work so uh it was still neat to see but it wasn't I'd I'd love to know if it's, you know, gotten better because it's something like the there was an it was a big anniversary this year for Dracula and I'm trying to remember what it was or maybe it was last year it was like the um it wouldn't be the 100th anniversary cuz the book would have been written well maybe maybe it was the 100th anniversary of the book if the book was written in 19 17 boy i don't know though it doesn't matter the... it doesn't matter it's beside the point um but i just know there was some big anniversary of something of either stoker or or of dracula um it's an 1897 see that's what i thought novel yeah i thought it was before 1900 so the 100 and what would that be 20th anniversary that's an odd odd anniversary yeah <laughs> well it's still if it lands on a 10 if there's a zero at the end it's a big anniversary that's true. That's yeah. true. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. There's no good segue from that. Well, actually, no, I can but that's okay. this. But you know what's interesting about Dracula? It was made into a play. Go. <laughs> it was. That's that's cool. And and I will um I will bring that a story up about that when we actually get into the uh, meat and potatoes of Perfect. the show. But I think are we done with weekly geekery? I, because at this point, I you are my fifth podcast in three days yeah and i don't have any more like i haven't geeked out about anything because i have been oh that's that's not true that's not true i just started watching turn uh washington's spies oh yeah 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 i know about the show how do you like it um it was okay it was uh, as i explained on uh on the state of the geek that has come out to the people listening to this but for you and i will come out on wednesday uh she mentioned it and that she's in love with it and it's an amazing show. And I just need something right now to watch with my in-laws. Sure. Because they're still staying with us and they always end up watching the most violent episode of whatever yes. show we're watching. Yes. I, I have the same problem yeah. when my mom comes to visit. Like, cause you're, you're a walking dead fan and you've watched, I haven't watched this season, but you've watched most of walking. Yeah. Dead. So I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of the comics. I'm, I'm, I'm up to date on the comics, but I did not see any of the last season of The Walking Dead. I imagine I don't know if it's on Netflix yet or not. Once it hits Netflix, I'll tackle it. Um, but okay, so you and I are about the same spot as far as yeah. That if I can, I don't want to do minor spoiler. I guess from I guess it'd be two seasons ago, but it's where they've reached the new town, 
and uh, mm-hmm. Morgan gets there. And then gotcha. I saw the first episode with Negan because it was on um, AMC.com for free. You could watch the first episode. Gotcha. That's where I left The Walking Dead. So I'm excited to see more of it. Uh, curious to see how they develop that in the show versus the comics. Um, and then I saw the first season of Fear the Walking Dead, but I haven't I haven't uh, done the second yet. Yeah, and I've heard that gets really good too. So I'm I'm thinking we might go back to that. But just kind of as an example of my kind of timing with watching these shows with my my yeah. in-laws, yeah, you expect uh, Walking Dead to be violent, and it's gonna have you know somebody get bit by a zombie every episode, and it's just you you know what to expect. But the episode we watched with them <laughs> was the look at the flowers episode. Oh, I think I know. What you're talking about. <laughs> so it's like it just takes it to. A whole different level that I don't think my mother-in-law was thrilled by. No. Um, so, so I was like, I, I talked to Kelly and I was like, please tell me that this is a show that I couldn't. She's like, there's a little violence, but I think you'll be able to to get through it, and uh, and and you should be. It should be relatively safe. And there was some stabby stabby, but it yeah. it was okay. Uh, and then we're watching it, and my mother-in-law goes, oh. I think we've seen a couple episodes of this. <laughs> well, you're going to watch it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, like I hear, I, I know my mom's a big fan of um, Outlander, which I haven't seen at all, but that takes place in Scotland. So I had another friend who okay. was a huge fan of the show. And so when she went to Scotland, there were like specific locations that are in the show that she just absolutely had to go and see uh, mm-hmm. and visit. So there's, there's options out there, but no, I I know exactly. That's the reason my wife refuses to watch Game of Thrones, because mm-hmm. she saw two scenes during the first season. The first one is when the mountain cuts the head off his horse when he loses mm-hmm. in the tournament. And the second is where they're breaking into the brothels and slaughtering babies. And she's like, nope, <laughs> never watching that show again. I don't care what you say. That's in it. I don't care. I'm done. But there's so much good there stuff. Is, and but... you just saw the worst of the worst. Yeah, and, yeah she no, doesn't do it. And she, does, she also doesn't handle... Uh, high stress shows like we tried breaking bad and she's like i can't because you're watching it before you go to bed at night and she's like nope i'm give me we're gonna watch parks and rec i've I've said this before but i think your wife and my husband are gonna get along famously. oh i'm sure yeah <laughs> because they sound very familiar they are very similar in a lot of their likes and dislikes because i think your wife is also into weather and ge- geography yes my my wife studied weather in uh college and worked professionally in weather for a few years and now works professionally in air quality yes so so uh, and i will talk to you about this at the commercial break afterwards but when we do get a chance to meet I think they will be able to do their thing and we will be able to do ours and all parties will be happy. Yes, I think so. (laughs) And speaking of commercial break, I think we're ready to go there now. So we will be back after these messages from the network. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together we're the geek to geek podcast Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the, the languishing, lascivious Liam of 
Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. All right, and so we're back. Yay. And you have been very kind enough to to talk about theater with me today. Yes. Even though it may not be may not be the top geekiness thing on your thing, but I've been I've been going all summer being like I want to talk about theater, I want to <laughs> talk about theater and you you were indulging me, yes. so I appreciate it. I have that. some theater experience and and I've been to a number of shows. So I can I can speak to it at least a little bit. Uh, most of my experience is uh, either in front of or behind a camera. Uh, I worked in TV professionally for a couple of years behind the camera. Before that, in college, I was in front of the camera for several years. Um, but uh, I, I can speak to performing, and I can uh, I can speak a little bit to theater. You're gonna obviously know more. If I was on stage, I was usually singing and dancing rather than uh, being serious and emoting properly. Well, well, in all fairness, that's where most of my my performance background comes from too. Was was musicals and and the singing and dancing part. But um, but yeah, since it, since it's become uh being a, a theater teacher, it makes uh makes you very quickly learn how to do a little bit of everything. Oh, I have to imagine, yeah. Yeah, so so I mean I mean I think we're coming from very similar places, but let, let's talk about your theater, theatrical experience. Okay, uh, hopefully this won't take very long then. So I've been um, performing musically pretty much since I can remember. Uh, I have two older brothers, and our our folks would. My mom is very musical. She plays uh, the piano and the organ and the accordion, and uh, so we were very much involved at church in the church choir, and we you know would be taught to sing for family and guests that came over. I used to joke that we had sung for everybody, you know, including the mailman at some point, um, <laughs> you know, but that was what, once my dad realized that none of us were particularly uh, into sports like he was, I mean, we all played sports. I played baseball. My brother played baseball and football. My other brother uh, played hockey. And then my two brothers started the lacrosse team at our high school uh, with some other guys. So we, there was some sports and stuff that we were involved in, but mostly it was music. We were all in choir our entire lives. Uh, we were all in show choir in high school, which is the, I mean, I think now people know what it is more because of things like Glee, uh, but this was right. before Glee. So the idea is you are, um, and it used to be everybody looked the same too. You were all dressed in tuxedos with tails and you just had different color vests depending on what school you were from. Uh, but you're a group of people that sing and dance on stage in competitions, the same as there's cheerleader competitions or dance line or, or whatever else. You are a competing show choir. Uh, and I did that in high school. And then um, I started doing musicals and stuff in middle school. If you were in choir in eighth grade, you were required to be a part of the music, the musical that year, because that was most of the year was learning to do this musical. And uh, mm -hmm. I got one of the head roles. Uh, well, I guess seventh grade, I was on the tech crew for the, the musical, the eighth grade musical. And after that, I got a job with the city of Bloomington, Minnesota, running auditorium lights for business meetings, sometimes uh, church services even, and uh, like dance studio recitals. You would rent out a school auditorium in one of the local schools, and you had to hire one of us. Uh, even if there's somebody else running your lights, one of us has to be there to kind of supervise. So I had to learn how right. to run studio lights. 
uh, and the, the lighting boards. And so I did that for several years through high school. Uh, but I was uh, Mr. Fagin in Oliver. So the old miser guy who gets some of the, the most fun songs that isn't Oliver. I, I got to shake Oliver around, which was fun. Uh, yeah. And then I did one play in high school because I wanted to try it and see if I could be good as a stage actor. And I was not. I was Joseph Bouquet, <laughs> a stage version of Phantom of the Opera. And it was fun. And all those theater kids were the same theater kids that do every single play together. So you always know there's the two people that get the lead roles and what have you. Um, but they were a great group of people. There was some overlap with choir. But then after that, I was choir all the time. Uh, but during the summer, the two high schools in Bloomington here would get together for a summer musical. So it would be like, depending on what it is, it might be a theater teacher from one school and a music teacher from the other or however they would mix mix it up. And so I did a couple of summer musicals. So I did Hello, Dolly, and I was just a chorus member in that. And then uh, we did Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat the summer before my senior year. And I played Pharaoh. And then because somebody else dropped out, I took over the role of one of the brothers. So I wasn't a specific brother. I didn't do anything in particular. I didn't have a lead. I was Simeon, I think. Um, but the main thing is I was Pharaoh. So I was the Elvis character, which... Yeah, which I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at your cast of characters because you wrote them down in the the show yeah. notes, and you played some fun characters. Yes, I did. I mean, Pharaoh is probably one of the most fun characters in musical theater, and Fagin's pretty. Like, there's Fagin's nothing to shake your uh, your finger at. No, so that's that's pretty cool. But I'm I'm notorious for being a ham, and uh, there was uh, so in in high school they had awards. They called them the mock awards at the end, and so they would have to try and come up with like. Uh, well, there were individual mock awards where it was something just for you so that everybody got an award. But then there's the normal ones like Biggest Sweat Hog, um, Biggest Drama Queen, which went to a guy and Biggest Drama King went to a woman and nice. um, Legend in His Own Mind. And I'm naming these because these are the ones that I got every time I did a show. Uh, <laughs> I was always the legend in my own mind. and the, But I always played these big characters. But I, I'm that guy. Right. I'm very much like normally I, depending if I'm just hanging out with one person, I'm this very reserved, usually calm, introspective, sometimes too serious person. But when I'm around a group of friends or other people, I'm that person that sort of switches on and then I'm in performance mode. Um, mm -hmm. So Pharaoh was right up my alley. And there's a story I can tell if we decide there's time where I got the biggest applause, I think of anything I've ever done, including the stuff that I do today. Um, because of something that, that happened. Just, tell well, it. The Go short version it. is my costume changed every night, but it, I was never wearing much. And high school was when I really started putting on weight. And uh, so I had just the, and I don't even know what it's called, but sort of the V-shaped shawl thing. And then I just had the skirt, but I'm wearing a microphone that's hooked in through the Elvis wig and it, it attaches to the belt. And uh, below the belt is, is the skirt. It wasn't all one piece, but one night the belt came undone. The Velcro or whatever it was came undone and the microphone started dropping. So I had to reach behind me quickly as soon as I felt it go. And so you could see the mic uh, box sort of dangling between my legs as I slowly try and pull it up while I'm doing the big Pharaoh number. Um, nice. And so everybody thought my pants were falling off on stage 
And so once the song was done, because it ends with the big, oh, yeah, you know, a uh-huh. big, uh, big note you get to hit and really belt it out. They just went absolutely nuts because they thought they were seeing this high school kid start to lose his his skirt, you know, but mm-hmm. doing his best to hold his pants up while still managing to get through the song. And so I, I got nice. a really good um, uh, applause for that one. And really, that's for me, when we talk about theater and performing and it for me, it's less the art of theater. Like I watched, you shared some videos and, and I watched those and as interesting as they were, I didn't really get all of it because it talks about mm-hmm. the art of movement and, and I am flabbergasted by the work that nobody notices that goes into a physical performance of I'm going to raise this eyebrow at this exact moment during this exact line. And I planned that out months ago of learning exactly how I'm going to move every part of my body during every moment of this performance Instead of just, I say my lines when I say my lines, and you act the way a person would act when saying it, there's so much more that goes into it. That that was never my thing. I wanted to be on stage and be a ham and get big applause because there is no feeling like that in the world. Um, and I've performed for crowds of varying sizes. I got to sing the national anthem at, at a local baseball stadium for the local uh, team down in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I lived down there. And that was very cool. I performed on the really big uh, stage alongside Lake Superior in Duluth. Uh, I actually get to go back and do that again this fall. Um, but uh, there's nothing like being in sort of that more intimate space, but it's packed and you get a really good mm-hmm. applause. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so then I went to college. I did one play in college. I was terrible again. I got the role. I demanded to be called villager number two because villager number <laughs> one dropped out. So there was no villager number one. So I liked the nice. idea of being villager number two, but I, I had one line and I'm pretty sure I, I, I failed at delivering it. <laughs> and uh, uh, I did take some professional acting classes, but they were for television while I was a freshman in college. And then after that, I had my own TV show. Um, I started as a segment producer and a segment host on a movie review show at college. And then I moved into hosting a comedy news program. And that's where I hit my stride and realized this is if I was ever to do it professionally, which I didn't. I ended up I started losing my hair, decided I'd step behind the camera. And then I was a writer and producer from that point on uh, for several years when I graduated. Um, But it was like this is my strength is writing jokes comedic timing, delivering them from behind a desk in front of a camera. I love a live audience. I would absolutely, we didn't have a live audience in college at the TV station there. But if we had, that would be like late night TV is kind of, um, I think where my passion ended up lying. Um, and then live performing, uh, what I do now is I perform, um, with my buddy Bob. So I am Rob. He is Bob. Together, we are Brob. So if you go to Facebook and look for <laughs> We Are Brob, or it might still be Facebook.com slash The Brob Witch. I'm not sure. Uh, Brob Witch is when you get to hug both of us at the same time. Uh, nice. But we were college roommates and we wrote music together for a short film. And uh, that evolved into a live act where we would play at friends' parties or at our friends' weddings. And then eventually we started booking very small gigs in Duluth. Um, So a couple times a year we play the tourist train up there where you get to ride the Mm -hmm. train and you get pizza and it takes you up to two harbors and back. So you spend a couple of hours riding along Lake Superior on a train and we are your live entertainment. 
And then um, last year we were the opening act of the um, Duluth Superior Pride Festival. And this year uh, we are actually the hosts of the Duluth Superior Pride Festival um, or the music part, at least. So that's awesome. all, all day long. We're going to be on the big stage that you can just walk up to uh, in Duluth, right on the, the side of the lake there. And uh, we will be the hosts throughout the day where we do bad Statler and Waldorf level jokes and perform bad acoustic covers of songs. I don't think we'll do any of our originals because they're not appropriate for public crowds. They were they were very much <laughs> written with college crowds in mind. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I do now as as far as performing goes. I'm a, I, I'm more of a musician now than anything i i play piano and guitar and a little bit of harmonica and um yeah but no not so much musicals i feel like i want to again now that i live in a, an actual city again i'm not in television anymore so i have a life um i i haven't done it yet but i keep thinking i might look into local theater because i think doing a musical again would be a blast and it can be a lot. Of, it can be a lot of fun because I think I think one of the things that resonated with me when you were talking about all this stuff is, um, you mentioned that you know, you 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 enjoy it for the kind of the experience and the people, and it's not the kind of artistic, um, the artistic thing that I sent you that that you really get into as far as theater goes. But really, that's really why I did it too. Um, I I started doing theater backstage when my brother was in um in grammar school i had just graduated and the year after i graduated they they started doing musicals at at the grade school and so i needed to do service hours for graduation and so i did the curtain for their production of wizard of oz that's fun yeah, and and I absolutely fell in love with it. And so for the next four years, I would do shows at our high school, but our high school really didn't have very good, um, you know, it's it's an all boys school, so it was uh, all sports all the time. And the one one of the shows that we did, we had to like tear down the set because it was in the middle of the basketball court, and they had a game the next day. So, <laughs> you know, like we were very much not given any priorities. So. I got kind of my fix from, from the, you know, the grade school theater. And then that, the woman who taught the theater at the grade school started doing summer programs. And so I started, you know, helping her backstage with that and playing different little chorus parts. And, um, and eventually I, I, I remember when I auditioned, I think it was a, my, probably between my, freshman and sophomore year in college i auditioned for bye bye birdie because at the time that was my absolute favorite show ah, cool. and I, I got the lead and it's funny because she's just seen me as this tech person for this entire time and i i go out and i sing a solo and 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 she just kind of stares at me and she goes where has this been <laughs> and i'm like well it's always been there it's just it's been backstage um so I, I went to USC for theater, um, and I, I wanted to become, as, I, as I've said with my, my best friend, we always talked about how we would be struggling actors, because we didn't expect to be like movie stars or anything like that, but we, we wanted to be, um, you know, we, we just wanted to perform for a living. We wanted to be part of that. And when I got out of college, I, I started a theater company with a friend of mine, and we produced uh, 
little shows here and there wherever we could find space. And I mean, they were, they were, you know, shows that had been on Broadway and we were doing our versions of them, but, um, but they were still kind of scaled down to whatever space we had. And I think that's where I started realizing, um, he, he had been, he still does do a lot of directing in the Southern California area. And so he was starting to give me directing jobs that were, um, you know, he just didn't have time for it, didn't want to do, but he's like, Hey, these would be good opportunities. And the first one he gave me was a children's theater production. And so I was directing Alice in Wonderland with my youngest cast member being six years old and my oldest being 18. No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I, I did. I think it was, I know one summer for sure. I can't remember if I did it for two summers, but in addition to the summer musical, we would do a summer show choir camp. Just mm-hmm. again, this is pre glee. So you had to do something to try and convince kids to get excited about choir going into high school. So you would have like right. middle school kids who are just getting at that age where they care about nothing because they want to look cool. Right. So mm-hmm, they would mm-hmm. still be there. At least one kid in my group, each one of us would get assigned a couple of kids. And then we had to teach them their parts and teach them the choreography. Uh, and I had at least one kid who just didn't want to be there. I was like, cool, here's what you can do. You can sit there in the auditorium. You can sit wherever you want so long as I can see him. You don't, I'm, n- I'm not going to make you do a single thing. But you get, you're here until your mom comes and gets you again. And that's what he did. He sat there mm-hmm. every day for the whole thing. But I can't imagine trying to wrangle. Kit. Now, did you have to come up with all the blocking and the the... Oh yeah, I I did everything. I I had a musical director that helped them out for little few little singing parts, and there really wasn't any dancing. Um, it was just a lot of moving around the stage. And and this is the thing about children's theater. And anybody who directs children's theater knows this, but may not admit it, depending on how much they want to pretend that it's it's you know high art. Um, the the it's very easy to get that wide of a range under control because you have most of your leads have are the 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. The, the 12, 13, 14 year olds, you put in charge of the eight year olds, the eight year olds, the eight, nine, 10 year olds, you put in charge of the six year olds and the six year olds just have to be cute. Right. And so that's how you manage that because it was a cast of like, I don't know, 60, 80 kids. Like it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. (laughs) <laughs> but it's fine. And and then um I got another job like two cities over because it's Southern California, so it, everything's kind of compact. And um and they all followed me over. And I think that was when I realized, you know, I don't want to do theater because I want to be a superstar or I mean that was kind of evident with the whole well we'll be struggling actors. It's because I enjoyed that camaraderie that experience of being together with your friends and hanging out and now that i was teaching this to to kids i'm like oh my god i'm giving them the same opportunity that this woman gave me when i was growing up you know for me it was very much a safe space i didn't get bullied there i i have one sort of friend that i occasionally talk to on facebook from high school but really every single friend that i have from that period in my life I did theater with yes and yeah and so that's that's basically what I would oh my god I want to be a theater teacher and that's how I got into teaching drama that's a wonderful story Um, and and you are absolutely right because the best part and the worst part of the productions is basically becoming a mini family while you're trying to come together to create this thing and then at the end you just have to kind of walk away Um, yeah 
but that's what's like so the at my high school it was kennedy high school in bloomington <clears throat> excuse me uh they would call it ktc the kennedy theater company and the ktc kids were they were freaking family um some of them are married now uh that were in high school at the same time and and were doing plays together all year you know and uh People are just, they are so absolutely proud to have been a part of that. And they all have their sweatshirts they made for one another. And there's one particular teacher who is the, and he wasn't, he came back once when I was in high school. Otherwise he was retired and, but was the theater director and just the nicest person in the world. And I know after that, he went on to direct some stuff for Bloomington for the the city theater. Um, But it was, it was Don Tebow. And just one of the nicest people in the world. And he was the the director when we did Joseph. Um, and there was a painting of him on the wall in the, the sort of green room, changing rooms. Um, mm-hmm. And a chicken. And I don't remember what the, the thing with the rubber chicken is, but it's just him and a chicken who I guess was their mascot. Uh, and I would hope that that painting is still there now. And it was just done by students out of love for their director. Right. Because you just become so tightly knit. And when you have a director like that, you will follow them anywhere. And it's, it's, it's true. so great it's to very hear that true. that's what you had or have. Yeah, well, and it, and it, and it made me feel good. And I, I think I get that sometimes. I don't mean I don't. I, I feel like this might be patting myself on the back. No, I feel like I do have that sometimes with my, my, my kids. But I think that's why I've been geeking out about theater so much is because, and I've, I've mentioned this maybe a couple times on the show, my program went from like 30 kids this year to 50 in the classroom and 65 that we take to competition. Yeah. And that, that uh, like, I didn't have the infrastructure in place for that. Right. And so I almost lost some of my best performers because they felt like they were spinning their wheels and not no that that some of the other people weren't taking it seriously. So why am I here? Oh, yeah, that whole. I mean, we had a lot of that in choir where eventually they made like a sign of rules in show choir of like leave your problems at the door because we're all here to work hard. And it was kind of like no, we're here to sing and dance, have fun. <laughs> well, and that's and that's what I like. I I was trying to split that you know. Th- thread that needle yeah. and make sure that I'm I'm making everybody this a place for everybody so I I actually I'm going to recommend for anybody who is into theater and especially theater teachers there's a place out there called theaterfolk.com and they have a professional development for theater teachers and so I was like you know what I'm going to invest in this the the school reimbursed me for it this is great I I checked out some of their online courses and they have this great one on building a mission statement for your program and so I was like, I'm not going to assume I know what the kids want. I'm going to have them tell me. And so we did this really cool activity where they kind of, it's all of that, it's like corporate retreat stuff where you go and you put the, the note pads on the walls yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. like, all right, go ahead. And, and it, it really kind of distilled for me what the kids wanted to do. And it sounds like they really want to, they want to be competitive at, our competitions. That's, that's, I think the, the number one thing they want to be able to go and feel like they have a chance at getting to finals. And it's already statistically almost impossible to get to finals, but that that's what they want to do. I'm like, all right, then we need to take this more seriously. And so I've been, I've been doing all this research on, on different, you know, different techniques for Shakespeare, different techniques for, improv different i mean i also have a an improv background i i didn't do improv in college but when i got out of college one of the first things i did was a north uh, hollywood 
uh, improv group and um and and really fell in love with that but you know it's it's hard to get kids to do that and you know again thread the line of you know funny versus offensive <laughs> and in high school it's a very thin line yeah. um so i think right now i i'm honestly in this last couple of weeks i feel like i've I don't think it's that I've learned more about theater than I did in college. I think I remembered more about theater than I did in, than I realized I had learned in college. And it started to make sense because now I have to teach it. Where before it's like, okay, okay, I just want to get on stage and perform. I get it. I get it. This will help me in some way. But now I'm like, oh, that's why I hate warm ups. I don't like to warm up because I don't know the right warm ups to accomplish what I need them to do. Uh, and I don't know if I just wasn't in a place to listen when they were teaching this thing or if they weren't good about saying, all right, this is a specific warm-up to achieve this purpose. Right. And so I think that's why I've been geeking out about it so much is because I'm like, oh, it's like all these light bulbs going, oh, I get this now. This makes so much more sense. I've been teaching. I haven't, I haven't actually taught Shakespeare much as a English teacher, but I'm like, oh. I, I have like 10 different ways to teach Shakespeare now because of these courses. And um, I actually got a chance to change my curriculum for, for this following year, and I'm going to be teaching some Shakespeare. So I'm like, I get to teach drama in my English class. That's cool. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of why it's been forefront on my mind and, and where I'm coming from. And yeah, I don't think, I think a lot of people don't. Most people don't look at it as like, it is art. And, you know, it's just something fun to do. But then I'm starting to kind of appreciate the art that goes behind it. And, um, you know, and I want to give that to my kids a little bit because I think it's interesting and it's kind of like, look at this cool shit we can do. Yeah. Oh, no. And it's like, and I think once you get into it at a certain level, then you realize the difference in what you're doing between I'm learning the song and I'm learning how to stand and I'm learning how to sing and I'm learning how to do the dance moves. But like I, I own I took a single acting class in college and um, my acting partner, because everybody does scenes and you paired off and I'm me and I my whole thing is I like everybody. Uh, so my mm -hmm. acting partner was. Um, oh, no, did I just forget his name? It's always weird when you brain fart like that. Uh, <laughs> but he was, um, I guess, I, I believe a, a uh, an international student. Um, but he didn't, he, he was, uh, counting on me to sort of help him through, uh, not the English he could, he could read and, and such, but he's like, I don't necessarily know how I need to project or act when saying these phrases, um, mm -hmm. and how to move and stuff. So I, I got to sort of coach him a little bit. Um, but we did a famous scene from Shel Silverstein. That's two men at the gates of hell. Okay. And what they're doing and they see, you know, abandon all hope or whatever. And they're just talking about what they think is going to happen to them on the other side. And one of the guys says, and then this is the nice part about your podcast is I don't, I don't have to actually watch what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> the line is, I think specifically, um, is it Japanese or maybe it's Koreans will fuck me in the ass. Uh -huh. because of when it was written, I assume maybe it was, you know, these guys being Korean war vets or whatever. And then the other guy just starts to give him a ton of shit for it. Uh -huh. He's like, you just said that. Like, what is that? Like, why is that a thing that's bad? He's like, you want that to happen? He's like, no, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it could It'd be like, but why is that the thing you thought of? 
when it comes to what's going to happen to you in hell. But the idea was I was doing this scene with an Asian man. And so we, we changed the wording to Uh Asians and we changed the way we did the performance instead of these guys doing it. And it was Asians are going to fuck you in the ass. And he, so his character takes this as the most offensive thing. Like you racist son of a bitch Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, but the entire time we did it, and that's sort of where you, um, uh, come to understand comedy on the stage is the entire time we played it absolutely serious. The entire time we were Mm -hmm. learning the lines, we didn't think about what line was the funniest. It was what is the most genuine way to do it. So when I start getting really defensive and he just starts screaming at me, um, and then we did it in class, and the class lost it. Mm-hmm. And it was at things I didn't think were going to be... Like, we just we played it straight. And it's when you do that, and you realize that the decisions you're making are um, that important. And you realize how much of the art is behind there. And you're learning about, you know, the classic uh, theater theory, you know, an acting theory kind of stuff. But it was uh, totally different from the other acting classes that I that I had taken, the professional ones I actually paid for, because that was all TV acting. It was how to present yourself on television and um, interacting with other people. And honestly, it was a lot of improv and kind of a waste of money. It was one of those acting classes. Um, yeah, you, I've taken those classes and I hated yeah, them. Yeah, you get I'm the classes and boring. auditions come along with it. And uh, I did two sessions and the second one, because of scheduling, they put me in with like a younger group. And it really kind of was kind of like, I look, I kind of feel like I'm above the level of what you're teaching here. I liked what you were mm-hmm. teaching because it was teaching kids to improvise and be more comfortable and stuff. But there were some scenes that I had to do opposite like teenage girls. And uh, and there was one in particular where it was kind of like a predatory thing you know of a guy going going after a girl and it was like all right i'll do it but i'm gonna feel really terrible about myself afterwards because you have to give yourself into the character so i don't know about the people that have to play the bad guys on like svu but like i I guess props i hate the idea that that's a show that even exists and i don't think i've ever watched Mm it um but to have to play those types of bad guys you know, there's yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's something to be said about the the number of psychological problems that that comes with being um, one of the Jokers, because that's what a lot of people say that some of the Heath Ledger stuff was like he he went too deep into that character that's just a little bit unhinged. Oh man, when he did the Joker, he like he kept himself from sleeping. Mm-hmm. I heard so that he he gave for like a month he gave himself like an hour and a half of sleep a night. So he would just yeah. always be completely out there like that level of method acting. I don't know, like learn about the role, you know, maybe go. Exp- I need to learn how to ride a horse, I could, you know, or whatever. Learn how to do the job and experience that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's the idea of I have to play angry. So I'm going to think of something that just makes me angry. Yeah, exactly. And then I learned that from a lot of uh, my classes in college. They were like, don't go method. Yeah. Like, don't be that guy. Yeah. Is you have to learn what it looks like. And, and one of the best. And this is such a small thing, but as a film nerd, uh, Interview with the Vampire, Kirsten Dunst is amazing in that movie as the little girl who needs to act like she's a 50-year-old woman trapped in a, in a little girl's body, right? And right. so she talked about 
that actual process in the behind the scenes stuff. And she's like, I didn't know how to do. And this is her as an adult reflecting back. She's like, I didn't know how to do any of that. So they had to teach me. Here's what an angry woman looks like. Here's how you have to hold yourself. And it's not that she's able to replicate those feelings. Is that you learn how to use your body in a way that will project this to the audience on film. You can be more subtle. You kind of have to be depending on how close the camera is versus on stage where you're able to do it bigger or you learn how to make it small and more significant for it. You know, learn mm-hmm. how to use physical silence as well as verbal silence. There was the one play that I did, the lead actor, the director kind of hated him because whenever he was being serious, he screamed because he was trying to oh, push yeah. that emotion. He's like, you need to shut up. Like you can't scream all of these lines. Yes. You're yelling at somebody, but you can be, there's intensity in, quietude yeah you know and yeah well and it's it's funny because one of the things that that kind of reminds me of is is in some of these if anybody who's listening to this is interested in doing some more research on this because again this is my this is probably more than any other geeky thing this is my i am a theater geek (laughs) um there if you if you youtube the national theater in london they have a whole YouTube channel on interviews and Shakespeare monologues and just anything. And just go to the movement one because the, like go to their channels and go to the playlist that says movement. And one of them is, I, I think the woman was rehearsing for, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf maybe. And so what they did is they took pictures of, people who would have lived at that time who had posed for for paintings or for for photos and and she would basically like in order to embody the character from that time would try and pose herself to look like the picture so that she could kind of feel what it was like to to carry herself in that classic way and then from there kind of start saying her lines and start saying her, um, you know, talking or even improving a scene as the character. But just that idea of trying to see what it looks like, kind of like um, uh, in in uh, Dracula or um, the Anne Rice one that you just mentioned. Interview with the Vampire. Uh, interview with the Vampire, where you just kind of have to kind of have to figure out what that person is and and, and mirror it. And it was just fascinating to watch her kind of create this character from this picture. Yeah. No, I I can't imagine that level of... And again, that's when I realized I'm, I'm not an actor. I could be a comedian. I could be a comedic actor because there's there's that bridge there between being a comedian and knowing comedic timing. But being like an actual good actor, I can't do serious stuff very well. I mean, sometimes I feel like it'd be fun to give it another shot. And, mm-hmm. and and see if I could do something a bit more subtle. But anytime I do um, like film competitions, uh, I'm usually involved more on the script side or the music side or whatever. And then I might get a bit role or something in there. And it's always something weird or stupid. Um, I mean, y- yeah, think of me as a bald Jack Black or a balding <laughs> Jack. Like that's kind of the way I carry myself and move myself when I'm um, on stage or that sort of thing. So it's very... John Belushi in that, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not super heavy. I'm like 205 pounds or whatever, but it's, but it's the idea of I'm, I'm very light on my feet. 
Mm-hmm. So it's that little hoppy guy, you know, the sidekick, I guess, uh, is very much sort of that. And I, I yeah, I can't imagine because like how much work. So you're talking about this movement thing, right? And and mm-hmm. every actor needs to think about these things when playing a role. But when you're dealing with right. children or with your students and you have 60 kids and obviously you tell them the blocking and stuff, do you just kind of give them general guidance on movement or are you actually coming up with i want you to you know move your hand this way when you say this line ahead of time or is that things that come through through rehearsal where you're like try moving this way instead like that's the way i think of directing is you let the you know on on camera you're you're running out of time i mean i guess on stage of course you are as well um mm-hmm. But the idea of we have one chance to get it really right, because that's the only version anyone is going to see is the perfect one or as close as we can get. So you let them do their thing and then you say, all right, I want you to adjust this. Like, is that what you do? Are you actually coming up in your mind with exactly how every person is moving when doing a thing? Um, It's kind of kind of got to be a balance. I think anybody who, you know, considers themselves a a director or even an actor who will tell you what a good director is. You don't want to puppeteer your actors. You want to get them to do things organically, but you do have kind of a, a a picture in your mind that you have how you want it to look. So, so I definitely, it depends on the, it depends on the kid and it depends on the show. Okay. Um, you know, there's kids that I know I can do a lot with that I can pull a lot out with. And then I know there's kids who are there to have fun and they're going to, you know, there's only so much I can do with them, not because they don't have that much talent, but because they're not willing to put in that much time. Um, the last show I, or the show I did in the fall, um, was a really talky show. And I did it on purpose because I, I try and give my kids a lot of different things to do, things that are different from the, you know, either staging wise or genre wise or whatever. And so this was, you know, a four, four scene, play that basically surrounded this theater and this uh, Ouija board that, that, you know, was kind of haunting the, the theater space and this poor kid. And I, I, I feel bad about giving him this role, but no other student I have right now would be able to pull it off. It was like, he had like a 10 minute monologue and I knew I could give it to him cause I'd seen what he'd given me before. And all I had to do was kind of look at moments and say, this is what I'm struggling with in this moment. Like here, I'm not feeling like you're connected or here. I'm not, um, uh, you're, you know, you're losing the story here. And I, we could have that kind of dialogue with him and he, he would be able to make those changes. And, and a lot of parents who do work in theater came back and he goes, wow, he's really good for, you know, that's not an easy monologue cause it's kind of dry and it still held my attention. That's same show. Yeah. Same show. I had a kid who was supposed to be the comedic kind of person to come in and break up some of that dryness. And he just didn't have the comedic timing I wanted him to have. And so I would literally go on stage with him and go, I want you to run in like this. Sure. Because he just didn't, it didn't come naturally to him. And I think at the beginning of the process, he didn't want to do it because either he was embarrassed by it or, um, didn't think it was worth his time, or I think he even even mentioned that he didn't think he was a good enough actor to pull it off. But because I kept doing that, he's like, "All right, I need to take this more seriously next year because I think I could be better at this if I tried harder." Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really depends on the show and the kid, 
And and one of the things about doing high school theater versus doing like real world theater is, and I learned this really early on, you have to remember that it, this, this show is not about your ego because I think it was very easy to go, oh my God, this is this scene is terrible or oh my God, this actor is awful. But they're learning something. And you have to remember it when you're a drama teacher, you're a teacher first. Yes. And so... And that's a hard thing to do yeah. because, and there's been times where the kids are like, the show sucks. And I'm like, but you learn something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Even if it's just not to wait to the last minute to memorize your lines, right. you learn something. Yes. No, I, I was kind of the same way on, um, uh, the only thing I can relate that to is my TV show in college. Cause I, I was head writer and I would have a writing staff of about, I don't know, six to 10, maybe, um, wow. each week. And that included Liam, and that included Dr. Ray, and that included um, – I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that's been on my show. Fletch took my place one week, but he had his own TV show. He hosted a trivia show, and so we did a host swap one week where I actually got to direct and sit in the booth, which was great, um, and get some more experience doing that instead of being behind the desk. But, yeah, where you try and come up with rules of – like you said, all right, the the – eighth graders are going to watch the sixth graders kind of thing where it was like mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. writes in pairs. And if your joke doesn't make your partner laugh, you need to rewrite it. And right. so we're only doing a half hour show, but everybody needs to hunt down their stories. Then we put it all up on the board. And um, I had one who is, I believe still a professional news anchor. So I won't say her name like anybody who listens uh, uh, to this show is a news watcher in, I don't know think wisconsin uh but again but i won't say uh i suppose if anybody looks they'd figure it out point being um a good actress because she also did theater um a very Mm -hmm. talented anchor very good journalist uh, but for whatever reason she also wanted to do my show which was the comedy news we were a group of kids who would never work on the news because we hated right. the news. We thought the news was stupid. <laughs> and that was the thing you went to this school for when it came to, to the TV program. Like every mm-hmm. year they win best student run newscast in the nation. Like it's huge. Um, and so she had this bit about Peter Pan peanut butter being recalled. And so this would have been 2000, what, six or seven when that was like a huge thing okay. that there was tainted right. peanut butter out there. And it was really good. And it was really funny. And I was like, great. Can I push you further? She's like, what are you talking about? I said, every time I see somebody that's that's written really well, I say, good. What's the next thing you can do to push yourself out of your comfort zone? And so mm-hmm. she did the entire bit with a mouthful of peanut butter. So she was shoveling because <laughs> her whole thing is about how it's fine. It's safe. You know, I like that the peanut butter cleans me out kind of jokes. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so we did it while you could barely understand her. I don't remember if we actually did subtitles or not. Uh but doing things like that where it's okay, you can watch the daily show or you can watch weekend update and kind of see how they do things. And sometimes I just got to let you do a thing. Uh, one guy. And that's the other thing that I imagine is very hard for you to do is if somebody has an idea and in your head, there is no way you see it working, but you know that you need to give them that room to stretch. Right. Right. They have to be able to try it. And, there's a guy on, and I, I, I've yet to get him on my podcast, I think, which is insane, but it's my buddy Luke. And he wanted to do sock puppets every single week. <laughs> and I was like, it's supposed to look like 
weekend update. It's one or two people behind the desk. We do interview segments where our cast play, you know, fake characters or whatever. And he's like, no, but I have this thing I want to do. And it was like, all right, fine. And he did it. And it was amazing. It was, uh-huh. he made Martians and they were the most impressive hand sock puppets. You know, you would see that somebody could make in like three hours. Um, That's awesome. And he did the voice of both of them. And to this day, I just, I, I always remember that of, I have this bad habit of, and again, I imagine this is a thing you run into where you have to try so hard not to pigeonhole somebody. Because mm-hmm. it's like you are an amazing, you know, male lead, but maybe you would be better as the supporting role because that's where some actors really shine. I, I did that to a student this year. I, I walked up to her after the cast list had been posted and I said, look, I did not want to give you this role, but you're literally the only one who can play this role. And I know it's not the best role and I know it's not an exciting role and I know it's not the role you wanted, but I am acknowledging that. I didn't want to give you this role, but I wouldn't be doing justice to the the play if I tried to put somebody else in there just so you could have a different role that maybe you weren't the perfect one for. Right. And and she totally understood. And that's and that's what I appreciate. Like people don't give people don't give teenagers enough credit. Like she was like I she appreciated that I pointed out that I acknowledged her disappointment and that I acknowledged that I give her a lot of the very female charactery roles. Sure. And, um, and I said, you know, you're going to be a senior next year and I'm going to work my damnedest to find a role for you that you're excited about. And that is not this, but this time I, 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 like you saw how many people I auditioned for this role and kept coming, calling them up and asking them to read the lines correctly. And you were the only one who could do it. And so, yeah, you could probably play other parts just as well, but nobody else can play this. And did you kill it? Yeah. Yeah, of course she did. And, and I think she, and I, and then we tried to make it as, as we tried to kind of punch it up as much as we could just so that she did feel like she had something more substantial. And I think we were relatively, um, successful with it. But like I sent out, um, I have 16 kids that I'm going to do a, a Shakespeare summer thing with when I get back just for four days before school starts. And part of it's just so that they get, you know, some, some attention. Cause I think these are the kids that really felt like they got left behind this last year. Cause they didn't think to do art. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's one of them. And so I sent them out, I, I paired them up and I said, all right, each of you are going to take one of Shakespeare's tragedies. You're going to have a character that you're responsible for. You need to find a monologue from that character, but you need to know this play inside and out because we're going to, we're going to use this this year in drama. And like, she's like, oh my God, I'm so excited. This is so great. Cause I gave her, um, I gave her Titus Andronicus, which is a, a, a heavy, 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 heavy show. Like it's the most violent of, of Shakespeare's plays. And basically her character is the one who, um, who kill, I think she's the one who, who, bakes the pies with her enemy's children in it you know it's like it's dark and uh and so she's just eating it up because i know she's been looking for something that's not goofy mom happy aunt, silly grandma like that's the part she always plays yeah and so So, okay so so i think this was but explain this to me then because you said punch up because this is the thing that i don't understand about theater then are you changing lines are you actually adjusting roles because i assume people can do this when like you know we're going to do like like fringe festival things or whatever we're going to do a version of this and so Mm -hmm. when we do it 
we're allowed to change things, but I don't remember us ever changing a single thing when we did anything, you know, in, in high school or college or whatever. So are, are you actually changing the script in order to make a part bigger? Not really. Um, as far as this show goes, it was called uh, Scene from a Dance, and I'm going to try and remember the name of the author while I'm describing it. But uh, basically the story is, it's it's literally that. It's Scenes from a Dance. And there's a kid that starts off telling his friend that he's going to um, give this girl he likes this love letter that he's been keeping since junior high. And he doesn't have two minutes by uh, Dick Grun- Grunert, G-R-U-N-E-R-T, and um, and he's gonna he's gonna give this letter to his crush that doesn't know that he loves her, and in the process he loses the letter, and so it's a bunch of different scenes as you know of just high school angst, but in every scene this letter turns up and kind of changes the course of the scene. And so it's just a fun it's a fun show, and the way we stage it is instead of having everybody face the the stage we we put the the chairs on the the walls of the theater basically and face them in so that the floor of the auditorium is the stage because that's where you would have the dance that must be and, the, that must be the basis for can't hardly wait. you remember that movie? I loved that movie Absolutely. oh my God, I love that I'm a movie huge Ethan Embry fan, yeah. Me too. Have you watched him in um, in uh, Frankie and Grace? No, I haven't seen any of Frankie and Grace yet. But my wife and I are looking he, for a new show to watch. Is he's in that? Yes, he plays one of the sons. Okay, and I'm, he's he's fabulous. I'm going to hit you hard now. Have you ever seen Freaky Links? No. What's Freaky Links? Short lived. We don't. Yeah. This. I'm not. It's it's a show. I'm a huge fan of. I don't. I don't want to waste too much time because I know how long we've been talking already. Uh, he was the he was the lead actor in a show that was produced by Fox and produced by a company called Haxon Films, the guy who did the Blair Witch Project. In it was either the very late '90s or early 2000s, and it was about a guy who runs a website and shoots footage. And then it's it was a show on Fox. It only lasted 13 episodes. They canceled before they all aired. And then when there was that chiller television show on cable or, or channel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they would do Freaky Links marathons. But I own two bootleg copies because there's no official DVD or anything of it. You can only get it on bootleg, maybe on YouTube. But it is glorious Ethan Embry because you get... He is one of my favorite actors ever. And I think okay. from from the time of Can't Hardly Wait because I love that yes. movie. I, you, you, I watched you need that to thousands see... of times. You need to see that show. That's funny. I was actually thinking, you know, of starting up and recording the episode, and I was just going to go, hey, Joe, what's with the boss threads, man? That's friggin' Rex Manning. (laughs) Because Empire Records is one of my all-time favorite movies. I got the poster on my wall down in in my uh, my basement here where my TV is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, he he played him and uh, and one of the daughters in... Uh, Frankie and Grace is my my absolute. Those are my favorite characters. I could just see a spinoff of them. Okay, cool. Um, but anyway, so like we should probably wrap it up. We had yeah, so much I other know, stuff. I know, but we just went on. And I know on you wanted to get okay. into more theater stuff. So let me let me say this then. So my final question for you then, favorite, and I'm just gonna say musical to see on stage and then sub question would be the the one that you would want to produce if you haven't done it yet or direct that you haven't done it yet with your students favorite musical up until eight months ago i would have said into the woods okay 
Um, have you seen Into the Woods? I have. The the stage show or the or the movie? Um, uh, I haven't seen the movie. No, I saw I saw the play. The the kids that um, it was the one summer musical I didn't do. Okay. Um, I love that show, and I think up until about six eight months ago, I would have said that that would have been my my favorite musical. My favorite musical now that I am actually going to, although this is not an official announcement because I don't have the rights yet, but um, we will probably be doing In the Heights this coming uh, February. Okay. I don't know that one. It sounds familiar. Uh, I recognize the name. Are you uh, a fan of uh, Hamilton? I know Void and Beezer, huge Hamilton fans. Yeah, well, they, they convinced me to listen to it. I've listened to it uh, at least once. Yeah. Okay, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's college show. Well, that's right. Show. That's, were you talking about this on last week's episode? Either last week's or... The, like, I've been talking about a lot of theater lately, yeah. so I've probably repeated this several okay. times. Okay, maybe yeah, that's it, where I've heard that before then, because that sounds familiar. We, we actually saw a, a Palm Springs production of it two or three... Well, last Thursday, so okay. four or five nights ago. And, and it was funny, because it was a little bit like, okay, we're in Palm Springs, so it's a little white suburban version of In the Heights. Right. But, but no, that must um, that must have been it. It must have been you talking about, because you were saying it was like his grad project or something, right? It was. It was. And, you know, because I, I mentioned it in... I know where. I mentioned it in the... Um, in our Twitch chat. Oh, okay. That's where I probably mentioned okay. it. Okay. Um, because I said, yeah, you know, the kind of, uh, grad project that, you know, goes into Broadway and wins a bunch of Tony's. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so that's it. What's your favorite? What's your favorite musical? Uh, growing up, I would have said hands down Newsies. It was one of my, my favorite, uh, uh, VHS tapes Mm -hmm. as a kid, Uh, along with the, uh, meet the raisins movie, the claymation California raisins, (laughs) because I loved the music. Um, but I, uh, I, Rob, oh, you, you and I needed to live closer <laughs> together. We needed to grow up together because we would have been best friends. You can buy a DVD now that has Meet the Raisins, The Return of the California Raisins, and like all ten episodes of the TV show on it. Yeah, I now know what I'm getting my brother for. Christmas. Oh yeah, no, I have Meet the Raisins. I just did this in one big lump Amazon thing because I had the tape, the cassette tape, and I had a VHS tape, but I bought the DVD and the vinyl. So I have the Meet the Raisins soundtrack on vinyl because it's just good Motown. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I loved Newsies. I spent forever. It took forever for me to figure out where to go in, in a, a, a music store, like a record shop, CD store, uh, to mm-hmm. find the soundtrack. Um, because I was always looking in soundtracks. I am a soundtrack nut. So when I go in and well, I guess nobody does it anymore, but you would go into a store and look at the CDs. I went straight to TV and film soundtracks. Um mm-hmm. And I was always looking for Newsies, and it never clicked to look in like the children's section where they have Disney things. Oh, uh, but I yeah. could I could perform that whole thing solo, <laughs> verbatim. Maybe not so much anymore. But as a kid, um, yeah, my nerd side. As much as I I listened to rock and all that stuff as, as well, I wasn't just on on musicals. Um, but I really really liked Newsies. But I saw it now that it's actually a stage show, and while it was physically impressive, and I really liked the way they staged it. They changed everything. It's not our newsies. No, they got rid of characters no. and they rewrote the songs. And that is a cardinal sin. When I go yes. to that show because I want to sing along with what I grew up with and you rewrote the lyrics and like added half verses and just it was I enjoyed the show as much as I could as an angry fan. Um, 
But beyond that, uh, I, I saw Phantom in New York. I don't mm-hmm. think anything is going to beat that for I- impressive. I mean, I, I've seen The Lion King and Aida and, and other things that are visually impressive. Um, but I think when it comes to musicals on stage, yeah, Phantom. Um, and then I, I like Rent because everybody loves Rent. Um, right. Because... Although I have to say, I grew up when Rent was big and being a theater person when Rent was big, yeah. it's just... After a while, it's like if I hear two lesbians singing to each other one more time, I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> like you got, I got, I got over over rented yeah. <laughs> when I was in college because that was the thing. I got taken to see it when it was in the Twin Cities um, by the girl I was dating in in high school, who was a big uh, musical person and played in all of the bands and stuff like that. Very talented musician. And she knew all of the words because she had owned the soundtrack, but she'd never seen the show because there wasn't a movie or anything at that point. And that to me was such a foreign idea. Mm-hmm. I see the movie and then I want the soundtrack. I never think right. of, you know, all of the music before you see the thing. Uh, and we went to go see Rent and she knew everything that was going on and was mooing along with the audience. And I have no idea what I'm seeing, you know, um, but really enjoyed it. Uh, I guess I, there was one thing where, where I did that, and that was the Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny, the movie uh-huh. that, that completely bombed because it was not very good, and I'll admit to that. There's some really nice sketch stuff in there, but as a whole, it didn't come together. Uh, but I pre-ordered right. the soundtrack when that was a thing that barely existed of pre-ordering things, that I got it delivered to me in the mail with a Pick of Destiny that came along with it. And uh, so when I went to see the movie... I knew all of the music and then I was let down by what was on screen because some of the songs on that soundtrack are phenomenal. I'm a huge tenacious D guy and um, on screen. It just, it didn't, it didn't play up, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess newsies and, and phantom, but I couldn't sing you every song in phantom. I just love the visuals of it. And it's in my mind, when I think Broadway, I think phantom of the opera. Yeah, well, it's a spectacle. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's a, it's an impressive spectacle. I have to go back to your newsies though, because okay. um, we're, I, I have a uh, my my students do a lot of the directing, so I, I often have a, a a student working as the musical director, and I often have a student, I almost always have a student choreographer because we've got a good dance program at my school, mm-hmm. and um, I almost did newsies for next year. Because I have, I had a sophomore this last year who is big into tap, and I'm like, okay, if we took a tap number to to festival, that that would be a good feather in our right, cap. So King of New York. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly the song. But uh, she's going to only be a junior next year, and I have an amazing choreographer who's a senior who does hip hop and modern and jazz, and I'm like, okay, so in the Heights this year. Sure. Newsies next year, and I'm li- and I do the same thing. I can only listen to so much of Newsies at a time because I the the lyrics are wrong, yeah. The I... the the characters are different, and it's just it's painful because I I knew that show inside and out when I was oh younger. yeah like in I had I had the stage production of it in my head when it was still just a movie. Yes. Oh yeah, because I've seen it. You're like, how is this not a show I can go and see? Uh, and, right. and as as a kid that, you know, again, I just loved performing more than I loved musicals in general. Um, I loved the choreography in that movie because yeah. unlike every other movie where it's either you're just walking back and forth across the stage doing your thing, but like serious dancing and stuff. But it still had a it suited the characters because it's an almost all male cast and it was a more 
I guess, masculine type of dancing than, say, you know, a Bob Fosse kind of thing. Right, uh, right. Where a lot of other movies, you know, I mean, granted, there's like Singing in the Rain, which is, you know, or any literally anything where you get to see Fred Astaire dance because that's wizardry. Um, but beyond that, you know, it, it, it it's very, again, that very light on your feet, you know, tap dancey kind of thing. Whereas in Newsies, it was much more like, you know, running into one another, flipping your buddy over, like doing tricks in the backyard kind of. Yeah, it was very much it was very much what roughhousing and being a guy, being a kid, yeah, is what choreographed. Right, and an almost breakdancing level of sliding around on the ground and stuff like that, which you yeah. didn't see otherwise. And I thought that was perfect. I just really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I'll have to send you a link to the YouTube uh, video of um, Seize the Day, uh, but dubbed over with Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of like it's a weird mix, but it's kind of crazy how it uh, it matches almost perfectly. It's I'm pretty, game. pretty impressive. Yep. All right, sir. Well, let's start closing this out. Any <laughs> any shout outs for this week? Um. No, what did I put? Oh, I actually, I made a joke on the thing, didn't I? Where I said my shout-outs were going to be for the hard of hearing. <laughs> I thought that was, now here, I thought this was going to be a deep a thing, genuine, like you had oh, no. volunteered, like you had volunteered with some sort of hearing impaired organization. Nope, it's because it's a shout-out. It was just like the early SNL, you know, news for the hard of hearing, where they have the guy come on and he just shouts while Chevy Chase reads <laughs> the news headlines. No, um, shout outs, I guess, uh, if, if ever there's somebody who listens to my show that migrated over here, otherwise to your listeners, I don't know if any of you guys out there are comic book fans. Um, I've actually gotten flack from a listener recently for talking too much about movies and television and not the actual comic books, but I will say this is a shout out to all you guys come and, uh, give us a shot. It's a, it's a fun podcast. If I sound interesting at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great show. It's a fun show, and um, I, I'm telling you, you're. I, I don't know if you've listened to my uh, my Spider Man. Not yet. Podcast it's, it's next on my today. list. I have um, I have TG Geeks that I'm listening to now. Once I'm done with that episode, yours is next on my on my uh, podcast queue. Well, it did just come out like five hours yes, ago, it did. so I don't blame I'm you. Not there yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did give you a shout out because your um your uh, oh, what's it called? The Easter eggs section yeah. is, is spot on. Like, I, I love that. And I, I try to listen to yours after I've seen the movie, because if I watch it before I see the movie, I'm going to be um like, I don't want to be spoiled. Oh, no, totally. And that's why. But I do like a prep episode. But even then, if you want to go in fresh. Yeah. But I always try and do an episode beforehand of here's what I think is going to happen. And here's some potential Easter eggs you might like. We know it's the vulture. Here's some stuff about the vulture that I know you don't know because nobody knows about the vulture. You know, yeah, and I loved it. I, lo- I just, I, it's become my kind of new process in preparing for my my spoiler cast. Sorry, what do Robs have to say? I agree. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give a shout out since we're talking about theater. I'm gonna shout out to uh, Diane Starzynski, who was my my theater teacher growing up and and a big influence. Uh, Greg Cohen, who is my my former theater uh, company partner business partner and rob heinz my other rob who uh who is a big a big theater geek like me and and i think the person that i geek out the most about theater with so shout out to the three of you i'm happy to uh 
have helped facilitate a, a theater episode. I know we wasted so much time on like travel talk and geekery and, but I'm just looking at the clock and I feel like we probably got plenty of theater talk in there too. Yes. Well, just don't, just remember 10 minutes of that gets cut out because of uh, commercials. So, oh yeah. Uh, we, we took a long commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, I'm going to be honest with you people. I have just con- finished five episodes of podcasts <laughs> in, in three days, and um, this will take us up to the last Monday I'm out of the country. I come back the Sunday after this uh, airs, so either I will dig down in my jet-lagged self and try and find somebody to fill that slot, or I will try and sub in something that I've kind of had as an emergency podcast or, which is a very good possibility, we may just not have a, a show next week. But I will, I will do my best to get something there. But the best I could get was <laughs> was the for, five. The for, one I was going to say for the, the number four. of episodes you're doing ahead of time, I would hope your listeners would be okay to go a week without. And the funny thing is, is because it's been it's with you, Nick Kelly, uh, Ray Vargas. Brian from the Average Geek Show and Kelly Hightower. So those are the five people that I had on these podcasts. And because I enjoy you guys so much, all of them are close to two hours. So it's not even been like they're like half hour shows. I haven't done throwaway shows in the last four weeks. Break it up. (laughs) I I guess if I'm the last one, then I'm not doing well. If you're listening to this one first and you're going to go back and listen to the other ones, because that's the best part of your show. You don't necessarily need to listen to it in order. You can skip around. Absolutely. Um, yeah, break them up. You'll be you'll be <laughs> fine. Otherwise, I was going to say, yeah, do what I do when I know I have nothing set and like last minute I found out Liam can't record or something else happens is you just do an episode that's just news or whatever. And it's, you know, the episodes that I end up doing alone or whatever. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to talk and we'll see how far we get. You just do an episode. And I might do that. Yeah, well, I mean, when you come back, you can just do an episode musing about uh, Comic Con. Yeah, this or this is what I've been doing for the last four weeks. Yeah, hell, I'll interview you. I don't care. <laughs> I think that <laughs> awesome. needs to be an episode too. By the way, I don't know if I've said this to you before. I keep thinking it that I want a Geekitude episode where if it's Ray or whoever you want that that comes on and they have to interview you. So it's somebody asking you questions and hopefully hard ones, maybe things you ha- uh, things you haven't even talked about on the show or haven't thought about yet, the same way you would throw that at a guest. I, I always think that's fun because we hear you asking other people questions. And and to be fair, I suppose you talk a lot about you know what you're up to as well with the Weekly Geekery, but I think it would be fun for somebody to have to dig into you and ask you more about your show and why you decided to do it and, and the history of it and that sort of thing. Let's just say we have a, an episode 100 coming in okay. 13 episodes. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound ben and is being used. Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geekitude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the Geek to Geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and Rob's show, The Comic Box. I hear it's good. I do too. <laughs> you you hear it's good, but you don't know because you've never listened to it. No, Not a great endorsement. <laughs> 
make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. Yes. You can sorry. You can no no, it's okay. You <laughs> can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at Johogan at geektitude.com. You can call can also follow the show on Twitter at Geekitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Where can we find you, Rob? I'm on Twitter at uh, Comic Box Cast. Uh, email the Comic Box Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, personally, I'm on Twitter at Noby at K N O W B Y. Otherwise, uh, hit that subreddit. I think that's sort of the fun. And we also have a GeekToGeekCast.com, but I haven't done a whole lot with that. That's it's all it's all BJ's thing. It's it's yeah it's, yeah it's, it, it's BJ's baby, but um. But there is a, a website there to where people can go. But yeah, I'd... and and hopefully when we come back, when I come back from break, hopefully we'll come like we've been talking about having a meeting and just kind of geeking out about geek to geek cast yeah. and and the network and and oh, we starting keep, to do some we cool keep stuff. kicking around. Yeah, we keep kicking around all these fun ideas, but I think everyone's afraid to sort of pull the trigger because it means somebody's going to have to do that extra work. That's true. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, sir, I will talk to you soon. And for all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek. Keep it geek. Enjoy your trip. Thank you. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about collaboration, because that's what we do. Well, the, wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to The Shared Desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing, usually it's pretty nerdy. Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins. Has the whole world gone crazy? Yes, there are drop-ins. And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. To find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out.